You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. A couple things uh, before we get to our text and what we're going to look at today. Just one is to reiterate what Brandon shared about reading through the Bible and the plan and the yellow sheet. I've got one here ready to turn over to the the new year here. If you are at all interested and want to... Sorry, Caleb. I'm just moving it there. Okay. (laughs) All right. If you're uh, interested, read through the Bible, say it's a new year, and it's okay to have a resolution to say, I need to get more into the Word. That is a good thing to do. That's Hopefully that little plan is helpful to you. We're midway. Maybe you started last year and you got a couple books into it and, and your sheet is blank. Just just skip it. Start tomorrow. Start with day one, January 1st, or start today, whatever, and, um, and read through the Word. And, and it's really neat as we read through the Word together. We're going through it together. You're welcome to do whatever your own plan is, but this is a plan that's been helpful. I've done it for a lot of years, and uh, if you've been looking for a start, a place, use that. There's also helpful literature there, just to make sure you know that's all for the taking. If you need those helps are in the library. There's, there's these little booklets on a shelf in there. Use those if they're helpful to you. Take them with you. Uh, use the library. Have those resources for you. One other thing before we look into Romans is if you remember your assignment. I, I emailed you. You need a two-week notice. Don't, don't walk out at this point, please. Uh, this is your 15 to 20-minute uh, kind of heads-up has there been something in the book of Romans, something small, a little underline, a little note, something that has caught your attention in the last two years going through this? Um, I'll help. I sent out some questions. I'll read those when, when we get to it here. Um, be thinking of that if you haven't already and be ready to share. And uh, we'll do that in a little bit as, as we kind of do a quick review of Romans. But just wanted to put that before you again. We'll, we'll be going around. I'll have the mic for you and uh, to share really to give glory to God for his, his work through his word. So with that said, let's head again. Hopefully not our last time ever to Romans, but would you head to Romans chapter 1, thinking of a good place to start in verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to read this to us. And on your way there, I have no picture here for you today. I have them all on the tables. Maybe you saw them coming in. It, it's amazing. There are, I think, five tables set up. I've, I've tried to label them through the chapters. You can walk through Romans with what you kids have drawn for us. That's pretty neat. So you start at the uh, back left as you come in, come around the tables. But take some time to look at that. See what the children have been drawing and reviewing of Romans. And that's uh, pretty neat. So take a look at that um, on your way or on your way out here. And thank you, kids, for doing that uh, Sundays, every Sunday, I get different ones and different pictures and drawings, and I love that. There's some of broccoli, there's some of other stuff in there. Um, Take a look at that. I love what you guys pick up on. Well, let's head to this book. We're in Romans. You're in chapter 1. I'm not going to read through the whole book, but just the first six verses. Give us again that flavor for this book we've already been through. Let's hear God's word again. Paul, he says, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand 
through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before this letter, really, of 16 chapters. And once again, we pray for your spirit to guide us through your word. It is your word. It is a word that guides and comforts and corrects and convicts us. I pray, Lord, your word today, even from where we review, that we wouldn't just see this as a, as a day to kind of gloss over and yawn and say, we've been to these places before, because all of these chapters are all of what we need for today and last year and next year and 10 years from now and 20 years from now, whatever time you give us. But guide this review today, even Lord, to be glorifying to you and honoring of this one who came in the manger this one who went to the cross, who rose again, that we might be saved and have life with you for eternity. We pray for your glory to be seen here in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. I am not sure, probably have a better way really to end 2023 than to review this letter in this book of Romans. Review this gospel-type letter, gospel-type book. You think back of 2023, how do you deal with the failures of this past year? Maybe some of those are forgotten, but they're there. The failures, how do you deal with your, your own sins of 2023? How do you deal with that? And, and even how do you look towards a new year with hope, knowing your own sin, it's ready to rear its ugly head once again on tomorrow or today already? How do you prepare for that? I think here you take heart again, once again, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, presented to us in this book for all who believe. And it's the gospel of Christ that permeates this book of Romans. And we're going to do a brief review today. If my count is right, this is sermon number 80 through this book. Um, take heart. Somebody went through Romans and it took them 10 years. So for us, it, we were on fast forward to get through it two years, but it has been two years. And I praise God, just as a, a note, to praise God for His, Dave mentioned His faithfulness and His faithfulness through 80 sermons. This is a book full of good doctrine and the gospel and all these things. And yet, it's a book of, of wrestling at times of what is Paul saying? And the sentence goes here and there's a comma and what? All of what's going on? How do you connect this and work through this? And I praise God for His faithfulness. Even in, in my own study, trust His faithfulness as you've studied, as we've studied this together. Much of what we have studied has been probably treetop, if you were flying an airplane, maybe treetop level or down. We're maybe even looking at trunks of trees and roots, that sort of thing. Today, we're a little bit above the trees, maybe you know, uh, getting, gaining some altitude to just give us this broad overview of this letter once again, where it kind of come out of the trees and just look at the broad, what's going on in this book? Where have we been? Where have we passed over? And so we want to look at these chapters here. 
as we consider who Paul is writing to, remember, he's writing to the, the Romans. So hopefully the letter of Paul to the Romans, to the, the church at Rome, Christians in Rome. And just to review, just one fascinating discovery for me was really thinking about considering the city of Rome and the culture that Paul was writing to. You might remember this from two years ago. I quoted Tim Challies talking about the Roman culture. He said it was, and speaking broadly, it was one of extreme, this is the culture where Paul's writing to this Roman culture, one of extreme promiscuity and inequality. Those who had power, male citizens, were able to express their sexuality by taking who and what they wanted. Their culture's brand of sexual morality was exemplified in the Caesars who, one after the other, were living icons of immorality and cruelty, using sex as a means of domination and self-gratification. Yet this system, evil as it looks to our eyes, was accepted and even celebrated by Rome. It was foundational to Roman culture. To the Romans, the biblical view the biblical view, would have been seen as disruptive to the social fabric and demeaning of the Roman ideal of masculinity. And then Chalice goes on to write, almost all of the New Testament texts dealing with sexuality were written to Christians living in predominantly Roman cities. This Christian ethic did not come to a society that needed only a slight realignment or a society eager to hear its message. No. The Christian ethic clashed harshly with Roman sexual morality. Which places this book, as you remember, within our reach and within our day as well. The Roman Christians, those that Paul is writing to, they were not living in the the glory days of a Christian culture. They were living in the midst of a quite pagan and idolatrous and immoral culture. Further in chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, they, they give this vivid picture of the depravity of all of mankind. Their, you remember words like their futile thinking, their darkened hearts, their unnatural relations, their debased minds. And Paul concludes chapter 1 saying, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. But beyond this, the letter itself is far more personal. It's really directed towards the Christians in Rome. And so it's less 16 chapters here of decrying kind of the culture of the day The bulk of it is for the Romans and for you as you are the reader, as you put yourself in their place as a letter written to you as well. It's a call to the reader, look inward. And in fact, that's where chapter 2 begins. There's all this, here's the culture, and then look inward. Chapter 2 begins with, Paul says, in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And so it's one thing to see the sin around us, another to see, wait a second, there is great sin within me as well. It doesn't counter, it doesn't cancel out that other sin, but it looks inward. What's my case? What's, where am I at? And so Paul builds this case that 
whether it's written on the heart or written in the book of the law for both Gentile and Jew, both, they know the law. And by chapter 3, verse 9, all, Paul concludes, both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Why don't you head to chapter 3? We're kind of just paging through, really, Romans here. As you page through, you might see your own underlines, your own little notes here and there. I want you to look at verse 10, and I want to look verse 10 through verse uh, 20 here. Even in light of what we read this morning in the beginning of Romans, what we looked at last week, these prophetic writings, Paul pulls back to the Old Testament once again to say, here's where this comes from. Here's the sinful condition of all men. Look at verse 10. There's verse 9. You know, both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Verse 10, as it's written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The culture was in utter sin, but so is every man, so is every woman, so is every boy, so is every girl. Everyone stands before God accountable for each of his or her own sins. And one common theme kind of here was a question that Paul seems to be answering, saying, why do we even need to be saved? Why do we need saving? Why do we need salvation? We need saving because we're all in sin. But on the heels, if you followed along to verse 20, on the heels of that conclusion of this sin, and no one's justified, we're all held accountable, comes verse 21, and the but now. I quoted there Martin Lloyd-Jones saying, there are no more wonderful words in the whole of Scripture than just these two words, but now. And so in verses 21 through 26, we see this glorious gospel and the answer to the problem of sin. We've got to read it here. 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets, Old Testament, bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We're justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. 
And it's this obedience of faith that takes hold of Christ and His work. Saved by works, not us. His work, we're saved by His works on the cross in His sinless life that He would propitiate, He would satisfy God's wrath in our place. Well, from verse 27 then of chapter 3, and then it bleeds into chapter 4, looked at a series I called The Footsteps of Faith. To walk in the footsteps of Abraham is to walk by faith. Abraham, remember John, I think it's 8 or John 6, I think it's 8. Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Christ by faith, and that's our hope as well as we look back on the cross. Uh, If you're in chapter 4, look at verse 20. We turn over the pages, verse 20. Speaking of Abraham, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith faith was counted to him as righteousness. So all men, whether Jew or Gentile, circumcised or not, are justified by faith not by works. And as was Abraham, so all his offspring, so all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. From the faith of chapter 4, we come into the grace of chapter 5, abounding grace. It's a grace, remember verse 8, that loves us while we were yet sinners. That's type of grace. You can just kind of browse the text of chapter 5. You see verse 8 there, God shows His love. We're on our way to the last two verses. Browse your text in there. Sin came into the world, death through sin, and yet yet by Christ, many will be made righteous. We come to the last two verses of chapter 5 of this abounding grace. Listen to the hope here. The law, now the law came in to increase the trespass. But, where, but, but, but now. Where sin increased, what? Grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What hope there is on this day even for sinners. Hope in God's abounding grace. As we come into chapter 6, into 7, lays out, then what it means to walk in this grace, this life in Christ. A series of sermons entitled Dead to Sin, Alive in Christ. So chapter 6 takes hold of this truth of who we are in Christ. Who are you? What's your identity? Are you in Christ? And then based on that calls you to walk in light of who you are in Christ. Walk in this newness of life. It's really a section dealing with our progressive sanctification that follows this being justified by faith, being declared righteous in the courtroom of God. Now there's this progressive working out, living out, call it our obedience of faith as well as we walk with Christ. J.C. Ryle, there's a quote from him, makes for a good summary here. He says, In justification, the word to be addressed to man is believe. Only believe. In sanctification, the word must be watch. Pray and fight. Do you belong to Christ? The call here, chapter 6 into 7, bear fruit. Bear fruit. I think you might see that in some of the drawings there. 
But as you turn over to chapter 7, in the rest of chapter 7, Paul takes us into the battle. series called there, The, the Battle Within, if you remember that. This battle that's within, where, where sin's base of operation takes the law of God that's it's good. It's a good and righteous command. It's good. But upon our knowledge of this law, it actually produces in us the very thing that it prohibits. So it says, don't covet. And Paul says, I, I, I saw that I was coveting. It says this thing is forbidden. And instead of going on our way, we want to see what's forbidden. The law shows us to be utterly sinful. And so the law can't save us. We can't merit ourselves to God by the law, but it reveals our sin to us. And Paul wrestles here in chapter 7 with the good he wants to do and then the evil that he keeps on doing, this battle within. But there's a climax here. Verse 24, the climax of the question. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And what is Paul's answer? I've got to just get into the Word more. I've got to just do this a little more. I've got to pray more. All good things. What's his answer for his wretched state? It's verse 25 and following. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in Christ. And chapter 8, if you look at verse 1, if there's a verse to memorize, amongst others, this is one of them. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the Gospel and it leads us to Christ. And in many ways, as we're cruising through these chapters, chapter 8 feels a bit like a climax in the middle of everything going on here. There's no condemnation. We live by God's indwelling Spirit who's led us to Christ, that Spirit that gives us life, a Spirit that bears witness within us that we're indeed children of God. A spirit you, you read that intercedes for us. And then you've got these wonderful truths. I'm just going to read them to you again. Verse 28. Wonderful truths in this chapter. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And if you, for me it's a page over, but wherever. We finished chapter 8 not wanting to go further even with these last verses, 31 through 39. I just want to read them to you again by way of encouragement today. Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, maybe it's famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it's written, for your sake we are being killed All the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Remember that? All the pictures back there of the Nike shoes were Hooper Nikes, Hooper Nike, above the victory. We're more than victorious. How? Through 
Him who loved us. Not through us, through Him who loved us. Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present, maybe you could write in there, 2023, nor things to come, 2024, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's good news. We don't deserve any of this chapter or any of these verses. It's by God's grace in our lives. And we praise Him for it. So we left this Airbnb of chapter 8. Kind of a, what a place to hang out in. And we went into some other varied waters here. Chapters 9 through 11. Kind of with a title of how inscrutable are His ways. How inscrutable the ways of God. We looked at Paul's longing for his own people, the ethnic Jew, that they would know Christ. And then we looked at God's sovereign ways, his purposes and election, his having mercy on whomever he wills, his hardening whomever he wills. Because why? Because the potter has the right authority to do whatever he wants with the clay. That's who God is. And yet you've got chapter 10 that says, for all who would call on the name of the Lord, what, what's there? Salvation. And it's a salvation for both Jew and Gentile. Paul closes out then chapter 11. I know we're speeding through, but the, calls out the ways of God to save the Jews. How? Through the Gentiles, through their salvation. The Jews would be jealous and God has this plan and Paul expla- exclaims how inscrutable are His ways. Look at the last uh, verses here of chapter 11, 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been His counselor? Like, who are you, O man, to give counsel to this sovereign God? Who's been His counselor? Who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? Verse 36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. In chapters 12 through 15, we looked at then this practical outworking of the gospel. So there's this gospel, then how does it look like? What does it look like in the body? And we find in the series, sacrificial living for the glory of God. Paul appeals to them, verse 1 of chapter 12, Brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So use the gifts God's given you. Show hospitality. That was one of them. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Chapter 13, submit to the governing authorities while while ultimately submitting to God Himself, Christ as our head. Love one another. Chapter 14, love your brother or sister with a stronger or a weaker conscience. Love them. All that we might, by, the, by chapter 15, verse 6, that we might with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Finally, then, if you're in chapter 15 from verse 14 onward, 
was this theme of gospel ministry that's tethered to Christ. I do have that slide uh, up here, that picture, one more time, just because I think it's just such a helpful picture to see our lives. Not that the rest of this whole book of Romans is not tethered to Christ. It is all tethered to Christ. But kind of to put together these these kind of almost miscellaneous themes of these last chapters being tethered to Christ. Devin helped us know where this location is here. But that line, I don't know if you can see the line, this tethered, whatever ministry, whatever work you're doing, your parenting, your marriage, singleness, your work, be tethered to Christ. And we saw this through Paul. He's taking an offering to the poor, to the saints in Jerusalem. Tethered to Christ and his desire to see the Romans face to face. Tethered to Christ, desiring their prayers for him. And we closed chapter 16 with Phoebe and then all these greetings interspersed then. We've got teaching on divisions and those who cause divisions, create obstacles. And finally, Paul's benediction that we looked at last week, verses 25 and 27. And we'll read at the end of our time once again. So there is a bit of everything for every believer in this powerful major letter to the Romans. So just under two years, I've gotten to share with you my weekly observations, things I see, things that stand out. Hopefully, here's what Paul is seeking to say in the text. Here's what the text is seeking to say. And now is your chance. Now you get a chance to share as well. To, to do what? I think to, to one, mutually encourage one another in the faith. To be an encouragement to one another. Here's what, I, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I've studied. Here's what I've seen. And then an opportunity not to praise the pastor, to praise what you have heard through the preaching of the Word. That God uses that means of grace. He uses His Word, not just in my life where a few select. He uses it in the lives of believers. It's His means of grace to us. And so it's an opportunity to praise the Lord. I emailed you some questions. Here they are again. If this helps jog your mind, if you just need a one last help, uh, was there a particular sermon or phrase from the text that got you thinking or challenged your thinking in a certain area? Uh, maybe there's an understanding of the gospel came to light. Some part of the gospel, oh, I understand that more clearly now. Maybe you want to share that. Maybe God used a particular passage, a particular time while you were undergoing suffering or a certain trial you want to give glory for that maybe the, maybe it was a step of obedience as we went through and you can remember a, a conviction of heart to say I, I need to turn this around and change this that God's word worked in your life that way so here we go I'm gonna turn this on oh there we go and we're on. Thank you, Caleb. I'm looking at the clock, and I looked up the kickoff time for tonight, Vikings and Packers, <laughs> 7.20. So you and I are both okay for a long time. So who will be first? Who wants to go first and just share? Remember, I'm not looking for another 20 minutes. Just share a sentence, something short, something in here. Ben. All right. Is it on? All right, so... For me, it was uh, Romans 11.36, and when we were studying that, I was going through a stressful time, and um, just to hear that for, from him, 
and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. Kind of just took all the stress. Mm. You know, it's not about me. It's about his glory. So my stress was insignificant. Any here? Um, when I was first coming to the church, um, I really felt like I God called me here just for my children to be saved, not me. And um, so that kind of relates to that first chapter. And then um, I realized that um, I was saved by grace through faith and that there is a um, wonderful privilege that I was given also gives me responsibility to live my life that way. here. I'm close. I know. I'm close. And I forgot to mention, if you're close, just grab the mic. Keep going. It's great. Well, one of my favorite verses is Romans 5, 8. And uh, I'm just going <clears> to <throat> read um, 6 and 7 ahead of it. But for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The older I get, the more I lament, regret, um, uh, I guess I don't know. Anyway, just just reflecting on the the sins of my youth and... um, just thankful that God has promised he has removed them as far as the east is from the west. He did not wait for me to um, get my life together and, and get myself all cleaned up before he made a sufficient provision uh, to redeem and cleanse me from my sins. So I'm thankful for that. I, I love this passage uh, in Romans. and Um, Romans eight twenty eight through 30 was uh, just the God's sovereignty in our salvation. And I guess what really stood out, um, we talked about the verbs being in the past tense, um, so that we can trust God will work all things for good because they have already happened in, in God's view. And I'll just read those verses. Um, and we know that that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And just the fact that, like, now we have experienced really all those except the glorification. But even glorification is in the past tense because um, that already and not yet, but it it's, it's so certain that it's as if it has already happened. So just the, the assurance and peace that God gives us in our salvation that we are his, um, and it's accomplished already. Uh, 
Uh, from Romans 15, it was uh, one of the things I think Pastor Mike said was being a Christian is not a solo walk and that we need to build up one another. And so the few of the verses from that first part of 15, starting at verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached me, oh, sorry, reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I just thought it was neat, too, because even like uh, verse 13 says, may the God of hope, and so often we read about the God of peace. And I don't know that I've ever really thought or clicked in my head how here it says, may the God of endurance, and he's a God of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And thank God that he is a God of endurance, and he doesn't give up <laughs> on on me or us and our continual sin, um, or that we too need to be like God our Father, who is enduring and encouraging to others wherever we're at in our life. So going with that, being a Christian is not a solo walk. We need to build each other up for their good in Christ Jesus by the, to the glory of God. For me, it was uh, 3, 10, and 11, where it says, no one, is, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. It just is incredible to me how God can love us even though if we're in our natural nature, we just don't even seek God. So that's what it was for me. Okay. (laughs) Well, I was just, um, there was lots of different things of two years of teaching. There's a lot of things we could talk about. But I was amazed by all the times that the word all came up. All have sinned. All um, he will use all things for good in the lives of those who love him. He graciously gives us all things that we need for our uh, eternal happiness. That doesn't mean that we're going to have wealth and health and ease, but um, for his eternal glory, um, we are conquerors in all things. And. Um, Romans eleven thirty six says, "From him and um, through him are all things." And he made himself known to all nations. Um, so, and then that came to mind as um, think, as Christmas came around, and it says that um, this was good news for all people. And uh, that was brought up in our family Christmas time of how is that good news for all people when not everyone accepts him. But it's that he gave all of us a chance and that free will choice. He'll use all things for good for those who love him. So that was my... Thank you. Anybody here? I'm on the side. Anybody back here? It might be recency bias because it's chapter 16 and yeah. recent, but <laughs> I really <laughs> appreciated happens. when you went over um, verses 21 through 23 with the names of the men at the time. Um, so often, I think even myself, you know, myself personally, just blow through 
names in scripture. You know, I don't, can't pronounce them. I don't know who they are. And, mm. But they're there for a reason. And um, I think in here it just brought to life maybe the whole chapter and the time period and what's going on, you know, um, to think that um, Paul was discussing this or saying these words out loud while Tertius was writing these down mm. with a room full of these eight men in the house of Gaius, who's a host of the whole church at, at that time in that place, that discussion, what that must have been like to be there, mm. you know, it just gave me mm. goosebumps, right? And um, it's just really encouraging to take time and appreciate that when you see it in scripture and maybe not blow by it. Mm. Mm. Good. Good. Others here. Look around for a hand. Okay. Um, just looking at Romans 12, um, 3 through 7. I'm not going to read it all, but talks about um, the fact that we're all given different gifts and that God uses us all in different ways. Um, just being a newborn mommy again has reminded me that my ministry right now is in my home and my children and um, using the special gifts that he's given me to serve him and to serve others and also be accepting of the special gifts that he gives others to serve me um, and to serve everyone in this church. Just a reminder that we're all different and no one is more or less than each other. It's all from God and it all gives him the grace and, or the glory through his grace. And just it's a wonderful reminder that you know, it looks different in each of our lives, but it's all to bring him the glory. Thank you. Go ahead, Carrie. Um, for me, it was um, looking at Romans 6.23 a, a little differently. Um, as such a common one for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord and, um, I the in the context of chapter 5 coming before it it just kind of took on a different meaning to me a little bit and just thinking about how um, the wages of sin is death so that's what's earned by sin but they're not equal opposites in the sense that righteousness does not earn us. That the that salvation is not earned. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And so, not only does He not give us what we do deserve, that death, but He does give us what we don't deserve, which is eternal life. Uh, it's, I guess, probably a, a favorite verse of many, but also for me, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. Um, how it simplifies our lives, and we don't we have one choice to make, and that one choice settles all the other choices, and that's choosing to live for Christ and to love Him. But what's recently come to mind is how, if you take that to. Um, if we're called according to his purpose, which means we're, we're seeking him, but yet the, 
how that crosses over to Romans 10.4. That one stood out to me. How Christ, it says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So there's a connection there for me because if we're, if we're seeking God and loving God and, and seeking to do his will, and just like in the, the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, it, it came to mind where the verse, and it says, if not the right man on our side, our striving would be losing. So back to 10.4, that he is the end of our law for righteousness because it isn't our righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. So that just, I don't know, that's really stood out to me, just that one simple verse. Uh, that, and it's also helped me... Um, Let's see, at the end here in chapter 16, verse 22, when I learned that it was at actually, what's his name, Tertius? Yeah, Tertius. 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 So now I can shift my blame from all of Paul's run-on sentences to Tertius (laughs) and his lack of punctuation, because it was actually he that wrote it, so it's his fault, so... I think we talked about that, you know, like, did Tertius ever go, Paul? I mean, there's, let's put a period here. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't keep up. Good, good. What is it? Um, I thought it, um, 11 verse 6, but I'm going to start at 5. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace, and if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Um, so that, that's really nice to hear that there is nothing other than having faith that we have to do to get salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. Yay. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> Thank you. I know this one's already been mentioned, but I keep coming back to Romans eleven thirty six. 36, um, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. just seems like that verse just summarizes. We kept going. And even in my other reading and around the Bible, just he's our source of life and salvation. And through him, he's the means of everything. And to him, it's all him. So <laughs> I feel like that that just summarizes everything so well for what I see in God's word. And then... It's been, there's so much over two years, like someone else said, just there's so much here, but kind of looking back, it seems like almost like a life, I can think back like, okay, in chapter 15, I was at this place when this verse stood out, but God's perfect timing of his word is just such a joy to reflect on. Um, So chapter 15, to me, is kind of an application of chapter 11 to verses five through seven, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And I remember when we were studying that section, just in trying, I still don't have those verses memorized, but I was trying to memorize those, just going through some challenge, struggles in my own heart with some bitterness and some relationships and God just used these verses to help me rethink through, first of all, he's the source of the endurance and encouragement, and it's through Jesus, and 
I need to welcome others as Christ has welcomed me for his glory. So that's all. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Um, in Romans 13, I just really enjoy studying that passage where um, and realizing God's placed people in authority over us and leaders in our country too, just to be subject to authority and um, respect them and realize that God's uh, providence is over everything and it's not by chance this has happened. So, uh, Mine was, <clears throat> excuse me, mine was uh, Romans twelve fourteen through 21 that day. Uh, just the verse 16 that says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And uh, just the two points that you pointed out of overcome self-focus by thinking of others and then overcome pride by associating with the lowly. So just good reminders to think more, more of others. So. Appreciate your sharing. I'll wait just a little bit longer, but so good. That's what part of chapter 15 we're doing here with one voice. There's a loving one another, but glorifying God for his word and uh, how it works in each of our lives. It's amazing how it works one chapter and all of our lives are different places where they are. So, Anybody else come with something you want to share? I, I am very mobile here. Scan any more hands. Okay. Thank you for those that did share. We're gonna how do we close? How do we wrap this this up? And I want to give just five brief thoughts. Five brief thoughts as we close out this book of Romans. And again, thank you for those that shared, and that takes a little bit of oomph to do that. I really appreciate you doing that and encouraging all of us here, so thank you. Um, Five thoughts, just as we close out. There could be ten. I thought of five. Could be others, but number one, these are pretty brief. Number one, keep studying Romans. Okay, do not close up Romans and go, all right, (laughs) got that down, let's go on to other things. Don't feel as though you've mastered this book. You probably don't feel that way. Maybe I don't, but, but, or that we don't need to return to it. It's been a good study. God's gracious to us in this, but there are further truths to wrestle with, to look at, and to glory in. So I just encourage you, uh, come back to it. Don't skip over it. Be refreshed again and again and again in the gospel. So number one, keep studying Romans. Number two would be to guard your heart. To guard your heart, I guess thinking here of a certain maybe pride that says, I've been through Romans. You know, maybe the pastor could say that or you could say that. I've studied this book. I've been through, oh yeah, I spent two years. I mean, I've got a whole book full of it. Be on guard about these things. You know, I know the gospel. I know what that is. That's just, let me move on from there. If anything through this book that we would see over and over again, our own wretched... Paul himself, wretched man that I am, what shall I do? How do I deal with this? And he turns to Christ. So just guard your heart from 
a gospel pride that would say, I know this, or I know the gospel, or I've been there before. But number three is to take hold of God's glorious gospel once again. Take hold of the gospel. Don't, as Paul would say, don't be ashamed of it. It's, it's the power of God to give us life by His Spirit to sinners like us, justly condemned for our sin, and to give that to whomever He wills, to all who call on Him. And it's for His glory alone. So take hold of, celebrate. Don't look at the gospel as this kind of this entrance into the eternity with, with God and then kind of leave it alone and, and i got to get on to other things. Hold fast the foundation of the gospel as you hold fast to Christ. So take hold of God's glorious gospel. Number four, live in obedient faith. Okay, the obedience of faith. May your faith, even as you read this book again and, and you forget things, don't we? How can we remember 80 sermons? Can you, I mean, we can barely remember last week. Like where we were, we were at the last few verses last, it just all gets, but we come back again. And may your faith be encouraged in this book. Paul has written this both on the front end and the back end to encourage our obedience of faith. A faith that, remember one, looks to Christ alone. It's tethered to Christ. But that tethering shows itself in good works. And we live out this faith in Christ. Chapter 6 said, Let not sin reign in your mortal body. So live as who you are in Christ. Live in obedient faith. And then number five, lastly, is to proclaim this gospel. We'll talk about probably this again next week as we look at, once again at the mission. What are we doing as a church? What's our mission? Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15 say, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We need to proclaim this gospel to a world, a world that's lost in a guilt that it can never earn its way out of. Remember we talked about somewhere along there where Kevin DeYoung and the legalism of the world and there's a guilt and you can't do enough to get out of that guilt. And so we proclaim this gospel to a world in darkness, to a world that worships the creature rather than cre- the creator, and to proclaim this gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. So may we be refreshed by the gospel in Romans and then out of the overflow, out of the outflow of that, say, I, take this, take the good feet of this and take it to the world. Let me close us in prayer here. Once again, Lord, we just... We begin by thanking you. Thank you for um, what others have shared, how your word has worked in their own hearts and in their own lives, and pointing out various passages at various times in our lives, and we thank you for that. We thank you that your word continues. It doesn't, when we close the book of Romans today, it's not done. It's, it's living and breathing. It's, it's useful for us today yet and tomorrow to go back to Romans and to head back to Judges and all the other books we've been to, the Mark and Joshua's and Philippians, that you would use your word, places we haven't been yet, in our lives this year. So Lord, I pray we'd be people of the word. We'd, we'd get into it. We would dig deep. And we would wrestle. There's hard stuff. And yet your grace is sufficient 
And as we meditate and as we look at your word, you provide by your spirit. So guide us and then guide us, Lord, to to revel, to celebrate in, to glory in this gospel. That your love for us was so great while we were yet sinners, you died for us. May we praise you endlessly for eternity for this. And so may we also just agree and say from you, to you, through you, to you are all things to you. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.